Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners once again. And it's wonderful to have this opportunity once again to open up God's Word and study together from all of those rich teachings that He has communicated to us. We are so blessed to have His Word to guide us. You know, we have such ready access to the Bible in our country. Most everybody, most every home at least, has a Bible, and probably more than one, maybe three or four in fact. But unfortunately, most people in our country don't really read the Bible much. And I don't think that I'm being unkind or uh, inaccurate in making that statement. In fact, I think a lot of the Bibles in our homes just remain on a shelf someplace or in a cabinet or in the closet. And they kind of sit there and uh, never are opened, almost ever. We may jot down marriages in them and birth dates and maybe even anniversaries and times of death, but we don't really read the Bible much as a people. That's unfortunate. Now, I know there are exceptions to that. I'm, I'm talking about in a pretty general way. I don't think most people read the Bible much. And even a whole lot of those who would find themselves in church services on a pretty regular basis somewhere, they probably still don't really read the Bible much. They may carry their Bible with them to those church services, but they don't really open them and read them themselves very much. And a lot of what they hear when they go to those church services, in a lot of cases, is not a whole lot of Bible either. Maybe a scripture or two here or there, maybe a little bit more than that, and a whole lot of storytelling and uh, kind of uh, just making some applications, but not a whole lot of scripture being taught. Well, that's unfortunate. God gave us his word for us to read, to read on an ongoing basis, a regular basis, a continual basis, so that we can understand his will and that based upon those teachings in Scripture, we can live the best life that humanity can possibly live. And ultimately, live that life toward heaven, toward eternal life. That's why the Bible's there for us. It's more powerful than anything that has ever been written by mankind. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter six, uh, chapter 1 and verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The word of God embodies his power to change lives. And let me tell you, I've seen many, many, many lives changed for good as the people would turn to God's word learn it, and apply it properly to their lives. That's what we try to get across here in Search the Scriptures. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So as you learn the Scriptures more fully, your faith in God should get stronger. And as your faith in God gets stronger, then you should come closer to God. And our prayer is that you won't just come close to God, but that you will come to him all the way through Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in him openly, and surrendering to him in baptism, at which point the blood that he shed on the cross 
is still 100% effective to cleanse you of the guilt of your sins. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, and Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. And then begin to walk that new life in him, that life of having been reborn into Jesus Christ. John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. And live toward heaven. At the end of the program, as we always do, we'll tell you how to contact us, and you can receive a free Bible study through the regular mail. We send it all over the country. It can help you understand more fully, more clearly, more completely, how to come to God through Jesus Christ, how to be forgiven of whatever your sins might be, and how to be saved through Christ, to live that life of assurance and confidence that you will be with him in heaven forever. Again, the study is free, so jot down that information, contact us, and we'd be glad to send it to you. You can also receive a copy of today's program for free or any of the programs and search the scriptures for that matter. We'll put it on a CD, send it to you, and you can have that. And again, we'll take care of the postage in both cases. We're going to get back and we're coming close to the conclusion of this particular series of studies, making the point that how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. A whole lot of people would claim to be dedicated to God. A whole lot of people feel they're dedicated to God. But a lot of these people are not really in accord with what the scriptures teach as to dedication to God. How we dedicate ourselves to God is important. Not just declaring ourselves to be dedicated, not just thinking we're dedicated, not just feeling we're dedicated, but how we dedicate ourselves to God. We noted by way of introduction to this study, that King David learned the hard way. He was transporting the Ark of the Covenant, a tremendous symbol to the Israelites of Old Testament days of the presence of God among them. He was transporting that Ark to the city of Jerusalem. He was going to reestablish centralized worship in Israel. And along the way, as the Ark was being transported on a cart, pulled by oxen, the oxen stumbled, the driver reached back to steady the ark so it wouldn't turn over, and God struck him dead. The man's name was Uzzah. David stopped. He was perplexed. He was also angry, the text tells us. But he recognized something's not right here, so he did not transport the ark any further at that time. Rather, he he put it into the house of Obedidim. Then David went back to Jerusalem and began to study he got God's word, obviously, from the, ultimate, uh, from the ultimate conclusions that he drew, and he began to study. And he came to realize that how he was trying to transport that ark was not in accordance with God's word. God had specified a specific means of transportation for the ark. Only the Levites were to transport it and only bearing it on poles that were slipped through rings that were manufactured onto the sides of the ark. David was trying to transport it on a cart pulled by oxen and not driven by a Levite. And so when David recognized his mistake, then he 
got with the Levites, he instructed them more fully about what they needed to do and how they needed to be a part of this, and he corrected the whole situation. And then they transported the ark safely the rest of the way to Jerusalem. David learned that how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. You see, his intentions were good. He wanted to bring the ark to a place where there could be centralized worship again. Good intentions, but he wasn't doing it God's way. Now, a lot of people would look at that. They would read that account. And they'd say, well, what's the big deal? The big deal is God gave specific instructions on the matter. And when God says it, that settles it. We can't change it. We're not smart enough. We're not wise enough. And we certainly don't have the authority to change what God has instructed. So we simply have to submit to his will and do it his way. David learned that lesson. How we dedicate ourselves to God is important. Now, we, once we learn the principle, establish that principle, we get, began to make specific applications. In matters of doctrine, how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. We cannot just believe something. We must believe the true teachings of God's word. We cannot change, we cannot improve upon God's doctrines, even if by human rationalization we think it would be a good, a good thing to change it in some way or some fashion. We can't do that. God has spoken, that settles it. In how we obey God's teachings, how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. We can't just obey something, and again, we can't make it up ourselves. We have to follow God God's way. When his word says, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved, Mark 16, 15, and 16, when his word says that forgiveness comes through baptism, Acts 2.38 and Acts 22.16, we cannot change that. We cannot twist it out of those scriptures out of shape and try to make them say something else because that's in contradiction with what we've always believed. No, we've got to simply accept God's word and do it God's way. When it comes to worshiping God, how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. We can't make up our worship. And say, you know, I really like worshiping God this way. That worship, that kind of worship really does something for me. I, it charges me up. Well, is it what God has said he wants us to do in worship? What? You mean there's actually instruction about how God wants us to worship him? Oh, absolutely. In specific detail. Now, you go to a lot of denominational settings today, a lot of denominational churches, and you go into what's supposed to be a worship service, and it's more of a show than it is a worship service. I mean, it's complete with, with a, a band and, and, and a chorus, stage lighting, choreography. They put on performances. That's not what scriptures teach. God wants us to worship him according to his will. That's pretty simple, but it's his will. We need to partake of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. Acts 20 and verse 7, because every week has a first day. 
And that was the example of the early church. We need to sing our praises to God, making melody in our hearts, making it personal, the fruit of our lips. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19 and Colossians 3 and verse 16, and we cannot appoint a choir to do our singing for us. We need to pay attention to the preaching and the teaching because, again, faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. When we give, we need to recognize that we're to give to God cheerfully, and we're also to recognize that this is as much worship as any other aspect of our worship to God. And we're giving back to him from what he has given to us to begin with, and he will bless us in proportion to how we give back to him. When we pray, and we need to pray to God continually, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17, carrying our needs, our praise, and also our petitions before God. When it comes to commitment, how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. We must love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul. Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38. In other words, with every bit of our being, of who we are and what we have. Jesus conditioned his openly owning us, confessing our names before God in heaven upon our confessing him openly here in this world before humanity. And Jesus also wants us to openly obey him, accept him as our savior. We cannot somehow try to rationalize that a whole lot of people in this world do not believe in Jesus, but they believe in something. Or maybe a whole lot of people in this world believe in God, but they don't believe in Jesus as the Son of God and our Lord and Savior. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. We have to accept that. How we dedicate ourselves to God is important. Now, Jesus also has said that we must not only believe in him, but we must obey his teachings. In John chapter 12 and verse 48, Jesus said, He who rejects me and does not receive my word has that which will judge him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the final day. Now think about that. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Jesus is saying, look, my word is God's word. My word is the way, the only way. Now, he's already said, I am the only way to God. My word is the only way to salvation. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 16, Luke chapter 10 and verse 16. Notice again what we read along this line. And Jesus speaking again. Jesus said, he who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. 
Now, he's speaking to disciples here, and he's sending them out on a, uh, on a teaching mission. But now he says, if they hear me, then, or rather, if they hear you, they're going to hear me because you're going to be teaching my word. But if they reject you, they're not just rejecting you, they're rejecting me because they're rejecting my word. And if they reject me, they're rejecting him who sent me, and that's God, the Father. So to reject Jesus, to reject his teachings, is to reject God. To reject God. Jesus said in Matthew 11 and verse 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Not come to Muhammad, not come to some other believed savior or prophet through whom a whole lot of people in this world will teach that you can find salvation. No, no. Again, remember what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, only through Jesus Christ, and only through his teachings. In Acts chapter 17, Acts chapter 17, Paul talks to us about judgment. Now, the setting is that he is in the city of Athens. And you talk about a place steeped in idolatry, the worship of idols. That was a center of it. History tells us that they had all kinds of of altars to all kinds of idols. And they had one that was to the unknown God. And as I understand it, that particular altar was to cover their bases in case they had missed one. And so Paul, he noted that and he said, I want to talk to you about that unknown God. And then he began to teach them about the only true God the God in heaven. And then as he's preaching to them the gospel, in verse 30 he says, Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him, that is, that man, from the dead. Now, there's no question as to who he's talking about. That Jesus will be the judge on the final day of judgment. He will be our judge, my judge, and your judge. And so, if we do not accept him, if we do not accept his teachings, then what chance do you think we'll have on that final day of judgment? If he's the only way to God, and he said that he is, the apostles also taught that in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Jesus stated, or rather Paul, uh, Peter stated in Acts chapter 2 on Pentecost that God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ, Christ the Messiah. Well, if somebody doesn't believe in him, if somebody doesn't believe in his teachings, then what chance do you think they'll have on that day of judgment? when they'll have to stand before the Lord himself, before Jesus himself. Paul wrote 
along this line in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. We must all stand before or appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Jesus is going to be on that judgment seat. Each one of us will have to stand before him on that day of judgment. He will be the judge. We'll have no recourse. We can't petition the court and say, you know, I, I, I don't want to have to stand before him. There is no other choice. Jesus will be our judge. He will be the judge of every single human being who has ever lived on this earth, who is living now, whoever will live on this earth. You and I will be in that group, that gathering, and we will personally stand before him. People think, well, I just don't accept that. There have been a whole lot of people who, don't, who have not accepted truth only to find out later on that truth is truth, whether you accept it or not. You can thumb your nose at truth, but then likely you're going to be confronted with the fact that you thumbed your nose at the truth. You were wrong. Truth is truth. In 2 John chapter 1 and verse 9, John wrote, Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. The doctrine of Christ, the teaching of Christ. And of course, the teaching of Christ includes the teachings by Christ. His word. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. Now, if that's not direct enough and strong enough, he goes on and says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, the word doctrine means teaching, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. There is only one way to God. Jesus is the only Savior, and his teachings are the only way to come to the Father for forgiveness and salvation. How we dedicate ourselves to God is important. We'll finish this particular study next time. It's been deep. It's been detailed. I pray that it has made a difference for good in your life. We would love to send you a free Bible study through the regular mail. It will teach you further how you can come to God through Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, how you can be forgiven, how you can be saved. We'll tell you how to contact us. Write it down and contact us. And again, it's absolutely free. We'll even take care of the postage. Let us hear from you right away.